Hello and welcome listeners to another episode of Cathode Raycast, the story screen presents podcast where we talk about all things television. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman-White, and thank you so much for clicking on this link. Obviously, if you are finding us, you are listening to us, which is great. If you're able to give us a like, comment, subscription, subscribe, all that good stuff, uh, wherever you're getting this podcast, that really helps us out. Um, Obviously, if you're here, you know about StoryScreenBeacon.com, and there are so many other great podcasts and articles there and great content overall. But right now, I'm joined by a very special person that I haven't done a podcast in a while with. So I'm excited. We're here to talk about Pam and Tommy, and my guest is Diana Demuro. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? It's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I haven't done a podcast in a minute, so thanks for asking. This was yeah. this was a good show to cram. <laughs> I also crammed it. I didn't watch it week to week like I usually like to. It's just kind of what happened. Yeah, I think I started to initially. Uh, and I was like, let me sit with an episode or two. And then towards the like midpoint, I was like, I'm just gonna finish this up, binge it all. <laughs> yep. So other than getting asked uh, to be on this podcast, what else drew you to Pam and Tommy? What what had you excited to watch it? I guess uh, just like the the crazy sheer transformation of Lily James. Like, seeing the trailer and loving her and, like, Baby Driver and kind of forgetting that I had seen her in Downton Abbey all those years ago (laughs) and, like, stuff like that where I was like, holy crap, she really looks like Pamela Anderson. And the performance, like, her voice, her mannerisms, so it was really exciting. And I I love Sebastian Stan already. I I feel like you do, too. So it's kind of like you know, it looked like it would be a lot of fun. Um, I kind of didn't initially realize that Seth Rogen was in it, but that was sort of also just like a fun tidbit once I realized that he was part of the cast. So, yeah. Yeah. I I recently read, I think just earlier today, uh, that Lily had a prosthetic forehead to make her look more like Pam. Okay. Because, yeah, looking at her face, I was like, there's something going on here that's different i don't think it's just makeup i don't think it's just the eyebrows i think they've like changed her face somehow but i couldn't quite like put my finger on what they did it didn't seem so intense like it it uh -uh. was not like distracting to the point where um you know it kind of took away from it which i feel like sometimes can happen with some other other performances for sure yeah definitely but yeah, I'll agree with you. Uh, I came to the project kind of with the same enthusiasm. Um, when we were seeing it being advertised on Hulu, I was like, oh, that looks like a good time. Um, yeah, the the acting for sure. But yeah, the replication of Pam Anderson. And I think Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee looked great too. Yeah. But I think I definitely more often than not was like, that's Sebastian Stan. Right. But with, with Lily James, it was like, that's Pam Anderson. <laughs> like, definitely. It was, it was crazy. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, overall, 
Um, listeners, we're going to like pretty much get into spoilers right away. We don't have a spoiler-free section of Cathode Raycast, um, unless it's like a very, very lengthy podcast. And so we'll kind of give like our opinions straight up. But yeah, we're just going to kind of dig right in to the meat and potatoes. Pam and Tommy, uh, as of us recording it right now, just finished last night on March 11th. So we're recording this March 12th. Pretty hot, fresh off the press for sure. Um, it is eight episodes long, about an hour long for each episode. They're like in the 47 minute range, you know, classic hour long television. Uh, it is a drama comedy and it obviously is detailing the sex tape scandal when Pam and Tommy leaves. Sex tape went back in the day, viral <laughs> for lack of a better word, viral. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will say. That I think the advertising for this show, especially with a lot of, like, the looks over the shoulder of, like, Seth Rogen's character, Rand, how he, like, leaves his apartment, puts his backpack on, and kind of, like, looks behind him. I feel like they used that body language a little too much. Okay. It started to feel really scripted to me. Sure. On the side of, like, Rand and Milty, the Nick Offerman character. Gotcha. That side of the show seemed a little bit more formulaic, whereas yeah. the Pam and Tommy side of things felt very natural. It's and really interesting. Do you have any, like, I don't have any knowledge of how involved any real person was with the production, like if they signed off on it or knew anything about it. I, I have read that Pamela Anderson is supposedly going to have her own documentary, which maybe will be like a rebuttal of some of this stuff. I don't know. Or if it's going to try and be more her side of it. I'm not quite sure. But I, yeah, it's interesting to kind of, if you think it's scripted, maybe that's because it is, because I wonder how much they have to actually go on, or if they are have interviewed some of these people in real life. The Rand Godier, you know, character <laughs> in particular is kind of a wild card. Like all of the things about him having some kind of spirituality and believing in karma and like the porn industry. There's just like so many facets of this story that are really strange, but really mm -hmm. interesting. So yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. I actually didn't know about uh, Pam saying she's going to do a documentary. I think that's great because I don't think, I feel like I remember reading this. I don't think that she was super psyched. That they were making this oh, show. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so it was kind of hard watching it because it was kind of like the tape all over again. Yeah. To know that Pam was like kind of not into Hulu making this show. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm watching it. Am I part of the problem? I I definitely feel like the show is very sad in a lot of times. Like, and it's very cringy, not so much because of the subject matter of dealing with porn, but or just dealing with like private yeah it's just it's it's the dealing with someone's private footage and then that whole argument of that she kind of makes at one point that like the lawsuit to sue gets dropped because she's saying basically that people view her as a slut and so she deserves it in some way or she has no rights to refuse that it's shared with everybody and like all of that is really sad and made me feel really bad for her like even you know i feel like you have to take any kind of like 
historical fiction with a grain of salt. We don't really know how they were in real life. But yeah, I feel like they make Pamela Anderson a really sympathetic character in this whole story. Because it is sort of just like, you're like, man, Tommy Lee's kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) The revenge plot is definitely targeted against him. And then at a certain point, you're sort of like, yeah, Pamela did not deserve all of this shit. But the woman is going to become the butt of jokes, the target, the one that's resurfacing again and again. So, and it's kind of affecting her career more so than anyone else's. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It wasn't a feel-good show per se, so I I can understand your reservations about whether (laughs) or not, like, enjoying something like this is part of the problem. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, the show was two different things that I was surprised to find it being. I I thought it was a cool twist. I didn't realize it was going to be a show about women in the workplace. Because, like, pretty much they had, like, all these different angles going. They had, like, obviously the Pam section going on. And then Pam worked with a lot of women on the set of Baywatch, and I thought that was cool. But then she also had, like, her representative when she was promoting Barb Wire. And it was kind of, like, how she has to deal being a woman in that industry right and then you have like the mom who seemed very supportive and lovely but also kind of like she understanding her place in all of this and then erica Rand's ex-wife who also was her she was great great. yeah taylor schilling killing it she was great (laughs) so yeah i loved uh how it really kind of became about women And then also, I didn't know if this is what they were trying to do, but yeah, you mentioned like with the revenge plot with Rand getting the tape, deciding to sell it. For him, it was the commodity. The the tape was the commodity. It wasn't the fact that it was like, I guess part of it was what was on the tape. But for Rand, it was just these are these celebrities and they're having sex. I'm going to sell it. But I don't think he really took in so so much that it was like actually what was on the tape right because he was so like desensitized because he was in the porn industry so to him it was just kind of like another tape it just happened to be famous people i liked that it took like his ex-wife erica to really address it from a female point of view why she was so angry that he did this, you know, and like the whole idea of signing a release and having consent over what you present to the public versus what is private and was taken and then shared without your knowledge or consent. It's it's a really important argument to make even now, you know, but like thinking about it in the context of the 90s when the internet was so new, it's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that all of this transpired yeah yeah that was probably one of my favorite parts of the show was just like tommy lee not being able to figure out what the internet was <laughs> like so many characters are just like what do you mean it's a computer you plug yes. this in <laughs> like what's this white box yeah it's <laughs> like it's the modem you have to plug it in you know? <laughs> yeah just like that whole concept of you know early internet porn And how that's probably how more people than ever ingest porn now. But the the idea that that was new and like a totally weird idea at the beginning that some people were like, who's going to pay for that? You know, like just this whole, it's really interesting 
just just the progression. I loved listening to all the music in the show. <gasps> yes. I wanted to go to Tower Records. Like there was just some really good 90s, you know, moments within the show that do kind of put it into context and give some weird nostalgia, even though the subject matter is terrible. Um, but yeah, I, I love how they kind of start off the show in, in sort of like a weird fairy tale whirlwind love story, even though it's so ridiculous. But you're Oof. sort of like, oh, they love each other. Crazy rich people falling in love. They can do whatever they want. And then sort of this sex tape as being like, you can't do whatever you want. There are going to be some repercussions and just the talk around that. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely at the beginning of the show when they first meet and, you know, Pam is like saying that mantra like, bad boys are out, good boys are in. <laughs> You're like, mm -mm, we know what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when they meet, I was actually surprised to find that their love story was like pretty touching and romantic. Yeah. And for the most part, I told Heath the other day, I was like, I think Tommy Lee is also pretty good. And Heath was like, well, I don't know about that. I'm like, yeah. well, he's very quick to anger, which is a problem. Yes. But I said, other than that, he seemed like he was trying to be very sweet. He did. I mean, At least the, the Sebastian Stan portrayal yes. in this show, <laughs> like, really sold how much they loved each other and, like, how much he was willing to do for her and, like, cheer her on and, and that he wanted to have a family and, like, all that made him very seem very kind and caring. And then I wonder if they downplayed how physical or violent he actually was in real life because it's a show, you know, because like that aftermath at the end that he's getting arrested for spousal abuse, you're like, did it escalate to that point with all of these things happening? Was he always kind of like that? It's, it's like with the flashbacks in that episode where we see Pam giving her deposition and she's thinking about her first modeling and then going to Playboy, like, you kind of see her already having a quasi-abusive boyfriend and then leaving. And, you know, it's sort of like that mentality of how much was put up with or not talked about until it got to be a certain point. And then maybe she's successful enough that she feels that she doesn't have to put up with that anymore. She she can support herself and leave. She's got a child. But I, I didn't realize that they would have separated so quickly after she had her baby with him. I kind of thought maybe that happened later. So it was interesting. And I do remember reading like at some point that they had gotten back together briefly. And so you're always kind of like when people have kids together, maybe that's good. Maybe they'll work it out. But then sometimes you're just like, no, nah, it's not. It's not for the best, even though you have children. So it's probably better you stay split up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, but then you go to date kid rock and that seemed like a terrible idea too you know it's just <laughs> like yeah. well yeah towards the beginning there that friend of hers was like listing off all the men oh she yeah was like you you have this tendency pam to like get involved with these men and you say it's just a date and then you're with them for three years oh and it's just like yeah <laughs> yeah i was surprised that they did show you some insight 
possibly maybe fictionalized insight into Pam's relationship with her mom Mm. because it seemed like they had a pretty healthy relationship. I know. She seems so sweet. She was like just as excited for her to have the photo shoot as Pam was. Yeah, because it seems like a lot of times when they show mothers of beautiful women in television shows, the mom is like trying to get something from the daughter or just right. trying to like live vicariously through her or, or that she's shame dressing them. up or yeah. shame them. Yeah. Or like kind of be wearing stuff. Granted, I think you can wear anything at any age, but usually the moms will be like a little gussied up, kind of like Amy Poehler and like Mean Girls, like right, right, you know, a little delusional. Be be one of the kids, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But I feel like in this case, they showed us what they, you know, gave us as information was that the mom was like actually really supportive and didn't seem vindictive at all. It didn't seem like she was using Pam to get anything else. She just wanted her daughter to be happy. Yeah. But we didn't really get to see any of like her relationship with her father. True. So so I'm not sure. I didn't do any research to look into what that relationship was like. But yeah, it does kind of make you wonder if, you know, Obviously, she puts bad men in her life. Maybe it's because she's what she's used to or, you know, there's some kind of pattern there. But we don't really get that side of the story because outside of, like, the main group of dudes in this show, like, we don't get a lot of, like, extra dudes on the outside. That's true. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. It is kind of nice. Like, I, you know, you have, like, the Rand subplot and then you have the Pam and Tommy plot. And, and I like that. We don't overly spend too much time with, like, the members of Motley Crue or, like, Tommy's, like, ridiculous friend group. I like that they're just kind of an entourage. It's more just about Tommy and, you know, other than, like, the other carpenter lead, you know, construction person on the job. Like, we don't have anyone else to really be that sympathetic for in the male sex. Everyone else is kind of gross, like Nick Offerman at first you're like oh he's gonna help rand and then you're like no he's just doing it for himself and he's also gross and then you've got the like really fun performance by um i always forget his name fred heckinger the guy that plays seth the the like the internet startup guy oh yeah yeah yeah. web porn um (laughs) that kid is great I hope he goes on to be in more things, but he's just so good at being kind of sleazy and annoying. (laughs) So you're just like, get out of here, you know? And then like everyone else, the lawyers, like Andrew Dice Clay being like the the mob guy. I just, ah, everybody else kind of, yeah. Or like the the prosecuting lawyer, like everyone kind of gives you the willies, everybody else that's a man. <laughs> like the yes. only one that kind of doesn't is Hugh Hefner, which is funny because I've heard that argument a lot over just other publications that he was like a weird father figure to a lot of the models. And so you're sort of like, what's your motive for that? But at the same time, I guess that's better than it could be. So you, it's it's just a weird situation but i've heard that before where it's been like he's been supportive of his his stars even though he is obviously making money off of them and surrounding himself with nude or scantily clad women all the time so you're just like uh, okay i i have to wonder if in the case for hugh hefner it kind of became a thing where like a couple of the playmates 
kind of needed that relationship with him. Like he kind of did fill follow their need. Yeah. And then and then maybe they became more comfortable around him and more vulnerable and he was like, "Oh, okay, so this works." So maybe he started extending that type of relationship towards other women because he realized this is how women feel really comfortable with me. Ugh. I don't know. Hard yeah, to say. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, that would be a smart way of doing it and it's gross, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's a very, very interesting person. Yeah. And I've seen a, a number of things kind of revolving around him. I am very fascinated by the Playboy Mansion. It's, yeah, so, or just like the publication itself, how it's changed over time and like yeah. all the things that – like the idea of Playboy being like a classier magazine than Penthouse and just what that entails and like what scale, you know, like – how is that decision made? And it's, it is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you pointed out that kid, the tech kid, because, yeah, I was like, who is that guy? The entire time I was watching it, I'm like, I know him from yeah. something. Yeah. But yeah, I saw him in The White Lotus recently. Oh, okay. So. I still haven't watched that. I uh, I watched one of those short films that was on Tribeca and then later I think it's on just YouTube that you can watch and it's one with um Will Farrell playing his dad and his oh. therapist and Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. And and it's like they want him to go to his wrestling match and then he's just like freaking out the whole time. And that was the thing I had most recently seen him in. So it's kind of funny to see him in a he's still young but like slightly supposed to be slightly older role cuz he's doing his own business. He's not a high school student. But I think he has that kind of like youthful look that he could probably still be playing somebody much younger and get away with it for a little bit. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. What yeah. a funny short film. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kept confusing him with the tech kid from American Gods. Oh, and I was like, okay. I know that's not him. No. But it's funny that when they think like, who are we going to cast in this tech role? It's usually sure. kind of like a scrawny white kid. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> with mousy hair. <laughs> yeah. The spirit of technology is a scrawny white dude. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. that's totally true. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they had that actor playing Hugh Hefter, and I thought it was pretty good. And actually, I kind of applauded them on the fact that it wasn't like a dead-on impersonation. Yeah. Because I think we're getting further and further away from things having to be like 100% dead-on, which I think yeah. is good. Yeah. But the dude, like now that I know that Lily had like that forehead, the prosthetic forehead, I'm like, well, that's the same stuff they used on Jay Leno's face. Jay they Leno Jay Leno's so face much worse, so though. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I'm curious to look up who played Jay Leno because I, it seemed like it was such heavy prosthetics that it could have been anybody, you know. So maybe it was just somebody who was good at making that voice, but I don't even right. know. Yeah, I yeah. was shocked because. I don't know. Jay Leno already has a very interesting face shape. Right. I think that's well understood. But they exaggerated it in this show in such a way I was like, this is cartoony. Yes. I don't know if that's the point or yeah. if it's just bad prosthetics. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, you know, like that whole – I definitely – I also just like recently watched that show, like The Sex Lies of College Girls. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. I was curious because a lot of it is shot at, at 
Vassar College and I've walked around that campus a ton. So I was just curious more so from that standpoint. But it also kind of deals with like um, one of the characters wants to write for a comedy uh, publication on campus that is supposed to be like something that a lot of characters from SNL started out at or stand up comedians started out at. So I think it's probably based on some of Mindy Kaling's own experience because she's one of the creators and showrunner. Um, and it's kind of like that toxic, we- weird, toxic male writer room mentality. And then like making jokes at a woman's expense or sexual references. And so like having that like of them around the table trying to pitch stuff to Jay Leno, you're just kind of like, ah, you know, it's just like, you're like, yes, this probably happened probably at all the shows, you know, not just mm-hmm. Jay Leno, but like he was like the big one back then. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming up in that era of jokes like that and then especially when like female comedians finally like really started coming to the forefront like sarah silverman and later amy schumer i remember watching them do comedy and at the time i mean i'm still very big into snl but at the time i wanted to be on snl i wanted to be in comedy and then watching these women like sarah also basically perform like the same really raunchy offensive humor as the dudes I was like, well, I don't know if there's a place for me. If you have to be like that, I don't want to be like that as a female. I don't want to feel like I have to, like, run with the boys and basically just, like, be a potty mouth to be accepted. And, yeah, I've liked it that since, like, that era. Like, I listen to Sarah Silverman's podcast now and even Amy Schumer and, like, all of those comedians have come out and they're like, yeah, what I used to do jokes about were pretty terrible (laughs) and i kind of wished i wouldn't have done them but like that was just like the atmosphere at the time was to make jokes at everyone's expense yeah and yeah it was like very prevalent like people wanted to kind of see celebrities being put down in the public right it's sort of like the idea of celebrity you know you disassociate that they're a real person because they're famous or they have a lot of money um, you know, but not everyone who's famous has a lot of money, but just like in the terms <laughs> right. of like actors or musicians or somebody that is famous because they've they've hit it, it's sort of like you you almost feel like it's okay to laugh at their expense because you think they're not a real person, you know, or you're like, oh well, they're more comfortable or more successful than me, so what's the harm? But then I have in the show kind of show the like all the instances of her being hurt you know and just like it affecting her getting roles like her having a miscarriage during all this stuff like all the things that she was going through in her private life it's so intense you're just like i feel bad for you just just get out of there (laughs) oh yeah because now with so many different outlets uh getting your news from anywhere getting social media from anywhere it is unless Things are everywhere. You can kind of more easily avoid things now if there's like something negative out there about you. Right. But at the time, you know, it was still like people were reading the newspaper still. Right. Yeah, like everyone kind of got their news from like the same source and people were watching late night television because that's how they heard about what was going on in the world. And so everyone was kind of collectively watching these same things, reading these same things. And yeah, you'd think like, oh, well, 
they're celebrities. They're probably too busy. They probably don't watch, you know, the Tonight Show like everyone else. But they do watch the Tonight Show like everyone else. Right. So yeah. there's really like no escaping it for them, yeah. which is a bummer. Yeah, I just I found it so heartbreaking when she like goes when like Tommy sneaks her into like a normal theater to go watch barbed wire and then like it's getting panned and people are laughing but not at funny parts and you're just like just take her home man <laughs> it's like she's pregnant and she's tired and she's humiliated just take her home mm-hmm. yeah i feel like those last few episodes were rough yeah <laughs> i agree and you wonder too if Tommy would have had such like a strong woman in his life earlier on. Maybe hmm. like that woman could have been like the training wheels to get him to where he needed to be with Pam. Right. Because it did seem like he was learning how to be more empathetic and learning to be a better person. And yeah. It just came like a little too late. It seemed, I feel like he life. was married to like Heather Locklear, I think, before, before Pamela Anderson. But I could be wrong. I. I know he is married to somebody else before her, um, but it's a weird, yeah, Tommy Lee. Yeah. If if that is the case, yeah, that that's interesting. I don't think I was aware of that. Yeah, you're right. 86 to 93. Interesting. They were married. I would think that she would be pretty, 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 pretty strong, strong and but vocal and yeah. yeah. Who knows, mm. though? Hmm. She was probably also younger at that point, so. That's true. Yeah, it was really sweet because I really had no idea. I I know very little about Pamela Anderson. Um, I know kind of like obviously the sex tape because, you know, while I was young, I did hear about it. There was no way I was watching it, but I was aware of its presence. I guess I was always more aware of her initially from like, Baywatch as a pop culture reference, not because I ever watched it, but like because it was like her and just like the the comedy around Baywatch and like the idea of that as a show and Mm -hmm. referencing that as a joke and just like, yeah, all of the David Hasselhoff stuff. And him being kind of popular in Germany and, like, having a weird singing career. Like, you kind of just knew peripherally about a couple of the other actors. And she was probably one of the biggest, so. Yeah. Yeah. But and I then I kind of blocked that out at the time when that happened. But I definitely knew about it. Yeah. 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 Because really, I mean, the biggest cultural thing for, for me, really... Granted, I was around when the the tape came out. But yeah, I was watching Borat and having Borat, like, being obsessed (laughs) with Pamela Anderson. Like, that was another weird thing that she was kind of, like, subjected to against her will, I would assume. Because Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen really doesn't get people to sign releases before Mm -mm. he includes them. So that's kind of a weird thing. I wonder if overall she liked that especially once she found out like what the joke was and what the conceit of the movie was right or if, again she kind of felt like god why does this kind of stuff keep happening to me yeah you know i found it pretty interesting that she had interviewed or auditioned for la confidential i was like that would have been pretty wild and probably taken her career in a totally different direction if she had gotten that 
Or, yeah. like, even having her, like, she would probably be great in, like, any of the Austin Power movies as, like, a fun person to have. And she probably would have been fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Extremely. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's fair to uh, compare these actresses. I mean, they get compared a lot, I feel. But, yeah, yeah. it just reminded me of, like, Naked Gun. And having oh, yeah. um, Anna Nicole Smith be a naked gun and it's like yeah right. that's like one of my favorite parts of naked gun is when anna nicole smith is in it right so and i think from watching this show i'm being led to believe that pam anderson like actually was a very good actress yeah people just couldn't get past her looks they really like put her in a box it's just well like it's sad to get to that point you know like the idea of how you break into show business and and that story is probably similar for a lot of young actresses and then trying to overcome those earlier positions roles modeling whatever that you did and not be just shoehorned into just that you know so mm-hmm. yeah it's a yeah bummer. it's a bummer <laughs> <laughs> it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, like just that repeated argument of like Tommy Lee being like, "Well, it's me too on the tape," and you're like, "Yeah," but like that whole argument of like you're getting like high fived and cheered on, and people think it's cool. For me, it's not. You know. Yeah, it's interesting because both of them had built personas around their body and their physical, like physical appearance and physical yeah. like movements like they had definitely put stock and built reputations around using their bodies in ways that they as both of them said had consented to in the past but yet obviously the argument for men like yeah no one's going to make you feel like you're uncomfortable yeah but with women yeah it's just a completely different story and it sucked to like see pamela having the experience of getting into playboy and how that was like a very joyous momentous occasion for her and she was really happy and she was glad that she had done it multiple times right but yeah that like the world ended up using it against her even though the world is like the reason playboy exists like you can't sell you can't make a magazine if you can't sell the magazine right so it's like the same people who probably used the magazine or at least looked at the magazine are the same people who are now you know thinking that they have the right or, you know, commenting on her body or telling her, well, like, you did this, so this causation, you know, leads to this. Yeah, the whole, like, this the episode where she's having her deposition taped and that it's just her and that they, like, keep making her watch clips of it just to verify who's in it. And you're like, come on, come on. You know, like, it was was so excessive. And so I'd be curious – I you know to know how true that was and part of me thinks like that probably is true they probably did do stuff like that you know and which is awful and then the idea that like that whole argument that she makes with them where she's kind of like no don't sue because then he is gonna share it and it's like that chicken or egg and then like people's pride like no we're gonna sue you know we have every right and you're like yeah white dude of course you think that (laughs) yep (laughs) but yeah it's very interesting to to think about that whole standpoint of like you know 
how that probably affected her career going forward. And, and it was really interesting to know, like, the idea of them essentially giving the rights of that video over for free. Like, that's that's pretty wild, you know? Yeah, I thought it was pretty bold. And even though I could understand where Tommy was coming from, where he's yeah. like, we, we need compensation for this. Yeah, or just that um, the amount of, of money that people have already spent to, to see it. Yeah, it should be theirs. But yeah, I could also see where Pam was coming from, too. And yeah, she's like, I will not be sold. I, right. I don't want to be sold. It's like, oof, I see both sides here. And yeah, knowing that you guys are divorced, it's just sad to like see the things that went into that. Yeah. 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 But it's also completely understandable to see like the deterioration of of a relationship, you know, and what things they learn about each other or like what horrible circumstances can bring out in someone and then make you reprioritize like what you're worth or what you're willing to put up with or yeah it's it's pretty interesting Mm-hmm. yeah now did you feel because i i felt a certain type of way about this i think the show was trying to make you sympathetic to rand i but think I, it was i yeah could not really muster much sympathy for that character at all i i I definitely think uh i feel like that first episode where he's actually doing work at tommy lee's house does the best job of effectively making you sympathetic to rand's character where you're sort of like yeah stick it to that asshole you know like that whole like him being a dick and him putting up with stuff and being broke and not being paid for his work and kind of living in poverty and like i think that episode is the most effective um kind of from there on out it's it's pretty hard to actually feel legitimately sympathetic to him you're kind of like it's a train wreck he doesn't even benefit from it like nick offerman's (laughs) you know uncle whatever milfy or whatever character like milty like takes the money and runs and goes to amsterdam and like spends it all on drugs and women you know it's just yeah, it just kind of just gets away from him. Like, his his best moments are when he's, like, starting to realize that he's done something wrong and him trying to make it right with Erica. But, yeah, yeah, the rest of it, you're just sort of like, no, dude, no. Like, what are you doing? You're just hiding out on her couch and being upset that you didn't get the money. And, like, yeah, you're going about all this very wrong. <laughs> For sure. (laughs) And I thought it was really funny at the end, you see that Rand now, like, is like a pot farmer. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, Seth Rogen was the perfect choice for this. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) And you're like, maybe that is. Maybe he's found peace. And I like the idea of, like, them saying, like, he occasionally tells people and no one believes him. And you're just like, probably. Why not? Like, like Andrew Dice Clay bringing, like, bring me the doofus, you know, like. He is the doofus of the equation, even if he Big came time. up with the idea, you know, so um, or like that argument of like letting people kind of walk all over you. It's interesting because you get it from like a standpoint of being wronged, but then you're also like you're not so innocent. Yeah, you yeah. have also hurt other people and are benefiting off of something that's not yours and is really terrible. So yeah he's less sympathetic as the show goes on i feel (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. It, it is kind of interesting that he's kind of like the foil for, for Pam Anderson because from a pretty early time in his career, in quotes, career as well, like basically they were using him for his small penis. Right. <laughs> so, and it's like, I wonder what that does to like a human psyche. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he felt very useful for a certain time, but then I guess they stopped needing him to fulfill that role. Right. And I'm sure that didn't feel good either. So it's right. like he was kind of like the man in the story who also had been kind of sexualized and used for his body and then kind of discarded. And, you know, it's true. Like, that sucks too. Yeah. But it's, it's probably like, well, feeling emasculated is its own, you know crazy yeah. plot line to this whole thing and then like comparing himself to to tommy lee who's now married to pamela anderson and you know spending so much money on his house renovations and not caring about anything and yeah i could see that being like the perfect nemesis for for this point of like crazy action but still yeah you're kind of just like don't do it with the tape you're like you already sold all of his other crap you know <laughs> yeah Heath was like where did all of the money go from like the guns and everything and I'm yeah. like do you think Rand knows how to spend money he no he blew all the money he doesn't yeah. know how to save <laughs> yeah they just show him like drinking and like you know doing, and... doing stupid stuff and like trying to show off to his ex-wife and then yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah that's probably the hardest part to watch in the show is like now that we've become as a culture like so concerned with money and saving yeah <laughs> and, so, and so i was like oh rand don't spend the money save it yeah i'm like all right you're gonna pawn it that's fine put it in the bank put it in the bank you're <laughs> yeah yeah life is rough for you it's gonna continue to be rough put yeah. it away <laughs> yeah i'm like leave los angeles go yeah. do something else that part too <laughs> <laughs> yeah he had to move to Northern California and become a weed farmer, but that's fine. That sounds nice. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a terrible <laughs> life, really. <laughs> he got out okay. Yeah, he's probably doing fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do wonder, though, if it does weigh on him at all, because the, the ending with those like little updates as to where the characters are, I wonder if he does wrestle knowing that, like, he basically gave Pam and Tommy's relationship, like, not even a chance. Oh, yeah. Like, he imploded it, like, right at the beginning, pretty much. I mean, I would imagine he doesn't feel bad about that because he probably <laughs> thinks that she doesn't need to be with someone like that. But hopefully mm. he still feels bad about what he did in terms of, like, how it hurt her personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. the him, like, apologizing to, like, the lookalike you know yeah that was outside the chinese theater you're just like oh yeah that was like a surprisingly cute scene yeah you're just like yeah. oh he's never gonna get the chance to like probably apologize to the real person in person like she probably has a restraining order <laughs> you know like, as she should <laughs> yeah it's just like oh <laughs> i also found it sweet and they didn't really clarify this, but when Tommy comes back and does start making all of the changes to the bedroom plans, is that because he's trying to replicate the bedroom in the hotel from from Mexico? 
Oh, from Cancun. Yeah, maybe he is. So in a weird way, he's trying to be kind of romantic and sweet, but like he's a crazy person. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he needs like a person who can like interface with other people for him. (laughs) He probably needs like a a well-paid personal assistant who's the go-between for all of these contractors who actually pays the bills on time. Yeah, makes him show up to things. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> makes him not wear mesh shirts so much, you know, just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the makeuping was great. But yeah, the, the costume design for this show was very, very good. Oh, it was so um, fun. Yeah. yeah. It was so like, even when Pamela Anderson's supposed to be kind of just like, at home casual just like the ideas of all of the like the the very fuzzy cropped sweaters and all of the jewelry that you know tommy lee's wearing that are like heavy chains and like the chain to your wallet or everything like it's uh yeah chef's kiss so good (laughs) yeah i think a lot of that fashion was starting to make a little bit of a comeback a few years ago yeah and then it kind of Kind of seemed like it petered out. It didn't seem like it lasted very long. That's fine. (laughs) You're okay with that. The rave pants. They don't need to come back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Some of it's probably fun. The like of of going to Delia's. Oh, Delia's. Yeah. R.I.P. Right? Like they're not around. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I'd be really surprised if they were. Yeah. They probably got bought by another company at some point and then subsumed. <laughs> yeah, I used to work for Charlotte Roos and they've gone out of business multiple times. Oh, Every wow, time like really? they go out of business and then I'll be like in a mall and I'll be like, there's a Charlotte Roos here. They keep crawling their way back. <laughs> the so it's a bummer that Delia's <laughs> couldn't claw their way back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, whereas Lily James, I think she just like was Pamela Anderson. Most of the time, I do think the clothes made Sebastian Stan Tommy Lee. Definitely. I think without the clothes, it it wasn't as convincing as a performance. But like the clothes spoke volumes for him in that character. Yeah, definitely. And like the facial hair, you know, just giving Mm -hmm. him that look. Um, He's definitely less able to lose himself in the character than lily james was and i feel like if you're gonna watch the show it's more so for her and her performance than it is for him so you know i'm sure he'll be fine he'll go on to make more things (laughs) but i I hope that lily james makes some cool shit after this too (laughs) oh definitely yeah i haven't watched this movie yet but oh i want to watch it yeah, me too. It looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, we get through the, the Oscars haul, because the, the next podcast we're recording is going to be the Oscars prediction podcast, once I'm done crunching those movies, I'm definitely watching Fresh. Yeah, it looks, it looks like it'll be fun and a little out there. And yeah, I'm into it. The trailer is cool. <laughs> definitely got some good yeah yeah yeahs playing and i'm into it mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah i i can't believe i'm going to say this because i usually say the opposite 
I think Pam and Tommy might have worked better as a film. Yeah. Because I feel like there was a lot of filler in it. And while I did enjoy some of the more, uh, like the whole like flashback episode where you're seeing Pam and Tommy in Cancun and just right. like living it up and getting married. I get that. And it was enjoyable. But it was a lot of them like just like dancing around in clubs and yes. doing drugs. And yeah. it's like, I get it. I get it, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely think, um, you know, that the the show really allows you to kind of like buy into the love affair and intimacy between them. Um, and I do like seeing the flashbacks of Pam, you know, kind of like early looking more like Lily James pre plastic surgery. And I like all of that before story. I feel like that really is pretty cool to kind of see an origin story for her character. But yeah, I, this could be a really good movie. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like a like a two part mini series. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it could have just been a little Trim bit a more little. condensed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe in that situation, we would have gotten less of um, like the Erica character and stuff like that. And I did really enjoy her. So I did too. There is that. But, you know, maybe Seth Rogen's Rand would have been a lot less present um, if it was a movie versus a show. But, you know, it's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the story almost operates exactly the same without hearing about, like, how Rand is having to get money for oh, hell yeah. uh, the Dice character. Right. Um, like, I don't think I really needed that for this particular story. I don't no. think the story needed that as a function. So, to me, it was like a lot of the Rand stuff seemed really extra. Sure. And as much as I enjoyed, because I, I love like deposition scenes i love lawyer stuff i love trial stuff i can watch that stuff all day long but i do feel like the those parts of the show could have been a little bit more condensed too yeah i really loved the deposition scenes for sure but it just seemed like they were like constantly meeting with that lawyer for like three episodes yeah where they were going through like the different instances of like where they were in their various uh lawsuits with multiple different people i felt like that could have been maybe condensed a little bit but you take what you can get right sure yeah i guess in in some way like lengthening that makes it a little bit more realistic to how probably long and painful and drawn out the legal process actually was for pamela anderson to like try and want this to die down and go away and it just didn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is really unfortunate but i definitely yeah this could have been a really great movie um it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun but like you said yeah there's there's some hit or miss episodes for sure that probably could have been tightened up a bit yeah and uh yeah one of the main writers for this show is uh gotta bring this back up is the dude who wrote the screenplay for high fidelity really uh dv de vincentis oh so yeah i thought that was interesting um because there were moments of the show where i was like yeah i'm really resonating with this and as a fan of high fidelity yeah um, i was like yeah like i think i'm picking up on some things and it's interesting because i think obviously dv must know music 
Yeah. So I felt like the music scene, like you had mentioned earlier, like the music really gave you great like 90s nostalgia. And obviously the commentary on like Tommy going to a club and Slater Kenny playing and he was like, what the fuck is this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like the uprising of like Nirvana and grunge. Like it is a bummer because I I love the genre rock. Like I love rock and roll. I I can't say like I follow Motley Crue a lot, but I do like the stuff that I know by Motley Crue. Like I love Aerosmith. I love the darkness who's kind of like keeping that rock and roll since yeah. alive. But yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of sad because although I really like bands like Nirvana and Sleater Kenny, it is kind of like, yeah, they kind of killed like the rock and roll genre. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a child of grunge. So I definitely yeah. was I was the probably the kids buying those new albums and being like, what, you know, versus listening to the older stuff. But that is also influenced by my own siblings with what they liked and what they listened to um you know and then them probably liking more at least my oldest sister more like 80s pop and dance and club music versus 80s rock so that's probably why that ended up changing to what it did but yeah it is it is pretty funny and it's like seattle gonna replace la for rock and you're like it does <laughs> you're like let Spoiler me tell you alert. i'm in the future too you know like, <laughs> like, you're like pearl jam is gonna rule the world <laughs> yeah it is pretty funny but. So yeah, I kind of wish they would have like leaned a little bit more into like the music influence and yeah, you know, especially yeah. knowing that DV like had a hand in writing this. It's like, oh man, yeah, that was like a very interesting lens in which to like view this show. Yeah, and it was like really heavy at the beginning, which was great, and then it kind of like petered out a little bit. But what For can sure. you do? <laughs> well, yeah. We're kind of nearing the end. Yeah. Um, any any other like really big points about the show that you wanted to talk about, or I guess like I always I was curious, kind of where you know they give you all that kind of expo at the end of them getting divorced and stuff like that, and so I I wonder you know with the show painting more of a positive light of their relationship and love affair that probably makes for a better television show than watching a show that potentially has a more abusive relationship but i'd be curious you know if if pamela anderson does come out with her own documentary or any kind of rebuttal to this show if it'll be like a little bit more behind the curtain of what it was actually like and you know, not that you want to feel even worse for her, because I feel like you feel pretty bad already <laughs> watching the show. But it's just interesting, you know, it's kind of sweet, but bittersweet when they have the, you know, the text at the end that's that says like they both kind of view each other as like one of the great loves of their lives, even though it didn't work out. Because um, I think everybody likes seeing that at least in a fictional standpoint you know that that, that like fairy tale falling in love that that can happen <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i don't know anything about their like psychology or anything like that but it definitely yeah. seemed that 
they were both a little manic at the start of their relationship and then the come down was really really hard and kind of out of their out of their hands like they had they didn't really have a say in having to deal with something that intense at the beginning of a relationship sure they just had to deal with it and yeah it seemed like maybe the depressive side of their relationship was pretty bad and i agree with you it probably would have been pretty hard to watch yeah we would have seen more but I, Definitely. I think I think you're right. I think it probably was worse than maybe what the show alluded to. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Not to end on sadness. <laughs> but. Well, yeah, because even on, and I didn't look it up and I meant to, even on Pam's arm that she has the barbed wire tattoo. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if lily james has like a birthmark or something like it kind of looked like every once in a while that she had like bruises on her arm the, i, I kind of thought maybe they were birthmarks that maybe the real pamela anderson has because i wonder yes. if I lily james that. has them they would cover them up for because that's obviously something you could cover up with makeup so that's true i was curious about that i was like oh maybe they're just like they're making it legit that that's something she didn't cover up yeah because even though she part probably of her. she could have but you know yeah 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 so i yeah there were moments where it would sometimes pop up and i would see it and then i'd think like oh yeah i'm gonna look that up and see if i can find like a picture of pamela anderson just to see if she has those birthmarks yeah or if it was like an implication of you know something else but i would assume the former considering it was like usually in the same spot right but hard to say yeah (laughs) well diana do you have anything else you'd like to plug oh uh I mean, I just am kind of excited to see what Lily James does next. I would like to see more movies versus TV from her. I hope Mm -hmm. she does another movie. Um, It'd be pretty cool. Plugging. Let's see. I just rewatched Drive My Car, which was very excellent. Um, Yeah, that's such a good movie. And uh, I watched Cyrano, which was also really enjoyable. (gasps) I can't get Um, Cyrano out of my head. It was like, a lot of fun. It was really beautiful. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, am also kind of cramming those Oscar movies, getting ready for our podcast. But I, I watched a lot of them. I feel like this year I did a good job of, of trying to catch stuff when it came out. So I'm not in too bad a shape. But yeah, gonna yeah. going to watch some sad short documentaries soon. So I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The live action shorts were also kind of depressing. They were rough. We watched animation first, and I kind of wish we had watched live action and then animation, which is how I, when I think about it, what I usually think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always like, oh, I should have saved animation for last to have some of them be a pick me up, but that's okay. Right. (laughs) Right. Some of the animation (laughs) shorts that are Oscar nominated are really fucking out there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not all lighthearted. <laughs> no, they are not. Rarely are they ever. Yeah. Not just for chi- not just for kids. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a a notice to all of you short makers out there. They can be nice. They don't yeah. all have to be depressing. <laughs> yeah, that too. But, yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I'm I'm excited to uh get together for oscar predictions and just like talking about what we liked and that's always a fun time absolutely i'm 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 looking forward to actually watching the oscars because i'm curious how it's going to be this year versus last year being so different so yeah Mm -hmm. 
I think Amy Schumer is hosting. Oh, really? I think. Oh, all right. Which will be fun. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Game on, Amy. Yeah. I'm curious about her new show that's coming out. So. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Yeah. I, I can, Life I can. After Beth or whatever. Yeah, Life and yeah. Beth or something like that. Life yeah. and Beth. Yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah, I'm into it, for sure. <laughs> we, with weird uh, Michael Sarah, Facial hair Michael Sarah, which is yeah. weird. Makes him look extra creepy. <laughs> yeah. You can't age that man. You can nah. put facial hair on him. It's not going to work. It's just yeah, going to make like him look when creepy. Your friend in early high school has like three chin hairs and won't shave them yet because he's so proud. That's Michael Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just seeing the clips from Life and Beth, it's like, they just were like, this is a super bad character. Yeah. He's still like this. Yeah, pretty much. Except he's trying to be old now. He's working on a farm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, well, yeah, listeners, obviously, we've been talking about the Oscars Prediction Podcast. If you are listening to this current podcast right now, the day it comes out or within the same week that it comes out, great. Thank you so much. Obviously, this episode dropped on March 14th, uh, so thank you so much for listening. If you are listening to it now, uh, at that time in that week, the next podcast that we are releasing is going to be the Oscars Prediction Podcast, so if that kind of like piqued your interest a little bit, look for that the following Monday. Uh, obviously, we're really excited to do that one as well. We recently did a hot take on The Batman which was a great episode, great uh, conversation regarding probably one of the best movies of the year. We'll we'll see. <laughs> but obviously, other than podcasts, we also have a lot of great articles and reviews. Make sure you check out StoryScreenBeacon.com, and you can find all of our social media handles at the bottom of the website. So you can find our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter. Uh, check us out in all of those venues. Give us a follow. That'd be great. And obviously, interact with us. We love to hear what you think. Uh, messages. You can slide into the DMs. We'll read them. <laughs> Likes, comments, all of that good stuff helps us also make better content for you. So thank you so much for listening, listeners. And also, Diana, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Bern. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.